Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are our creator, and you hold the universe together, and you're our savior, and we're here to worship you. And as we look at you, we see ourselves differently, and so we confess our sins to you. Those words, those thoughts, those deeds we've done, we ought not to have done, and the things we've left undone. Lord, forgive us, forgive our nation for forgetting you. Lord, thank you for drawing us to you. Thank you for washing our sins away. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you that we have your word. Thank you we have a place to gather together and worship you. We are a needy people, and you know our needs. And we're here because we need you, and we pray that you would meet our needs. As we open your word today, may you, Holy Spirit, help us to see Jesus. We pray that, that many would hear and would put their faith in you and would find eternal life and that others would grow in their knowledge of you and others would be equipped. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We need revival. Lord, may it begin with me, may it begin with us, and may it lead to a great spiritual awakening in our land because everyone needs you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're new, on the first uh, Sunday of each month, we put out a new study. <clears throat> and a study is, is, our, is, a, is a disciple-making tool. Now, tools don't make disciples, but disciple-makers do, but tools can be helpful. And if you would open it up to the first page, it has our purpose as a church, which is to make disciples together. That's why we gather. And we believe that evangelism begins and ends or that disciple-making begins and ends with evangelism. And we rejoice that we saw three people this week who put their faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. And then when someone comes to faith in Christ, we want to help them grow. And so we'd like to invite you, if you're not already doing this, won't you read through Matthew with us through the New Testament? We have a reading plan laid out four days a week where you can read the Word and pray the Word and share the Word. It's so powerful when we're reading the same thing together. Won't you read the scriptures with us? And then there's a place in here for uh, message notes. Like today, it's in him all things hold together. If you hear something that you'd like to write down, you can. And, and then our small group lesson is in there. Please take it with you. It won't do us any good if you leave it on your seat. Um, many years ago, my parents went to the Grand Canyon and when they went, they brought back a video. <clears throat> and when I watched the video, it showed the first Europeans to see the Grand Canyon. Um, they were conquistadors, and they were looking for gold. So they asked the Native Americans, do you have any gold? And they said, no, but we have something better. And they showed them the Grand Canyon. It's not called the OK Canyon, right? It's called the, <laughs> the Grand Canyon. But do you know what the conquistadors did? They yawned at it. They said, that's it? Do you know why they did that? Because they were looking for gold, right? They were looking for gold, and so they saw this amazing thing, and they yawned at it. And, and I feel a lot like the Native Americans, that every week I look at Jesus, and then I have a chance to invite people to come and see Jesus. And often we yawn and wonder, what else is there? 
It was last Sunday night, and uh, I was watching one of the football games. And uh, there's not a bigger sports fan than me, but there were 70,000 people there. Every seat was taken, and millions of people around the country were watching a football game. And we have an opportunity today to come and see Jesus. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would show up and we would see something so much more marvelous than football. We are going to read the paragraph, the most powerful paragraph in the history of the universe together today. We are going to look at six verses that many people believe are the six consecutive most important verses in all the Bible. And what we're going to see as we come and see Jesus together today is something marvelous. Here's the point of today's message. It's that Jesus holds all things together. Just the one we're going to look at today, Jesus holds all things together. Now, we walked through these verses last week. But last week, as we walked through this marvelous six verses, what we looked at, what we focused our attention on last week, is that Jesus wants first place in everything, first place in everything. And what we're going to do is come back and, and look through the same passage. But today, what we're going to focus in on <clears throat> is that Jesus holds all things together. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> I'm going to walk through it first, just like we did last week, and then we'll come back and focus on verse 17. He is the image of the invisible God. That if we want to know what God looks like, all we need to do is look at Jesus because he makes the invisible God visible. The firstborn of all creation. He's the preeminent one over all of creation. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Listen, Jesus made everything, the stars, the planets, the earth, the animals, and you and me. Everything's been created by him and for him. He is before all things. <clears throat> that means there never was a time the sun was not. There never was a time the sun was not. And in him, all things hold together. I didn't notice till this morning as I was reading through this passage, things occur eight times, eight times in six verses that, that he holds all things together. He holds all things together, but I can't keep my microphone on my ear. He is also head of the body, the church. So, so Jesus is the head of creation. He's also the head of the church. And he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the first one who walked out of the tomb, but he won't be the last, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And so this week, we've been seeking what? We've been seeking our joy in giving Jesus first place in every area of our lives, right? For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. God loves us so much that our one God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, were all working together to reconcile us. The Father planned it out, the Son carried it out, and the Holy Spirit makes it real in our lives. But let's go back to verse 17. This is where we're going to camp. And in him... All things hold together. 
And so the point is that Jesus holds all things together, and I'm about just to go off like a machine gun, but just, just take a moment and just reflect on that truth, that, that Jesus holds all things together. And I don't know what in your life, what in your life that just seems like it's all coming apart. But just focus for a moment on the fact that Jesus holds all things together. So what are the all things that Jesus holds together? I'm going to start way out there, and then I'm going to move closer and closer. So what does he hold together? He holds the universe together. That Jesus holds the universe together? Verse 16, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. That's the biblical doctrine of creation, of creation, that God spoke and everything that is came into being out of nothing. And then he is before all things and in him all things to hold together. That's the biblical doctrine of providence. And providence is that Jesus not only created everything, but Jesus rules over all things. He holds all things together. Have you ever wondered why the earth doesn't just come off its axis? Or why the stars don't all crash into each other? You ever wonder why? Because Jesus holds all things together. I mean, think about that for a moment. If, if you don't hold your yard together, what happens to it? Does it get better? What it, what it falls apart, right? How about inside your house? If you don't keep it clean and hold it together, what happens? It doesn't take long for what? For, for it all. You ever wonder what holds the universe together? Jesus does. The one who created all things holds all, he holds the universe together. Oh, in, in Hebrews chapter 1, this is, this is so good. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. You ever read through the Old Testament? I mean, God, he appears in dreams and visions and all kinds of different things. That's how God communicated in the Old Testament. And then we read in verse 2, in these last days has spoken to us and his son. People often say, well, Smiley, are we in the last days? Yes, because the Bible teaches that the last days are the days between Jesus' first coming and second coming. Yes, we're in the last days. Uh, we just don't know how last we are in the last days. But we are closer, we are closer to Jesus' coming back than the church has ever been before. So in these last days, notice God has spoken to us in his son. That's why Jesus is the word. God's spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. That's what we read in Colossians, right? He's the firstborn, the, the heir of creation, through whom also he made the world. Jesus is the creator, and he's the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Isn't that what we read in Colossians, that he's the image of the invisible God and upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus holds the universe together. Aren't you glad someone's holding it all together? And aren't you glad it's not you and me? So, so listen, when the Bible says that, uh, that Jesus holds all things together, he holds the universe together. Now let's, let's come in a little closer from that. Notice how it goes from verse 17, in him all things hold together. 
he's also head of the body, the church. So Jesus holds the church together. He's the head of the body, and he holds the body together. He calls Christians to himself. He fashions them into his body, and he holds his body together. In Ephesians 4, we see how he holds the church together. Uh, in Ephesians 4, verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. So after Jesus went into heaven, he gave gifts. He gave apostles and prophets, and they wrote down the New Testament, which is the foundation of the church. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's how he holds the church together and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. So one of his gifts are pastor teachers, and why have they been given? Notice, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Pastors are not God's gift to do ministry. They're God's gift to equip you, and you, and you to do the ministry. Our calling is to equip you to make disciples so you can make disciples for the building up of the body of Christ, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Next verse, look, 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 look at this. Until we all attain. Notice that's first person plural. Did you know that Christian life is a team sport and not an individual sport? Did you know that? Our purpose is to make disciples together because the Christian life is a we thing and not simply a me thing. It's, it's we need Jesus and each other until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So Jesus holds us together by bringing us together and then building us up in Christ. As a result... We are no longer to be tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Jesus unites us together. He builds us up together. The Christian life is a, is a team sport from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Do you know it matters whether you're here or not on Sunday morning? Did you know that? You're a part of the body. Listen, and you're here because you need the church, but listen, the church needs you. Do you know what matters whether you show up at small group or not? You do, because we need the church, but the church needs us. So Jesus, listen, he holds the universe together. He holds the church together. And then moving in a little closer, he holds us together. He holds us together. Um, verse 19, <clears throat> For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. You see, Jesus came to reconcile us to God, but I talk to many people, and they say, well, smiley, I didn't know that me and God weren't really tight with each other. You see, the Bible says we have a problem called sin. And sin's really interesting. Sin is a crime against God. I'm always asking people, why should God let you into heaven? And know what people say? I've never hurt anyone. But do you know who never enters into their mind? God. 
When people think of doing wrong things, it never enters their mind that sin is primarily a crime against God, not against people. That's why it's such a big deal. Every sin we commit, whether it's thought or word and deed, it's a crime against God. And so we've committed crime after crime against God over and over again. We're alienated from God. And if we die in our sins, we'll be alienated forever. And that's what hell is. It's to be alienated from God and from all good things. And I, I know, I know people today don't like to hear about hell. I'm not sure they ever did. But do you ever wonder why Christians are so lukewarm today? It's because we don't realize what we've been saved from and what we've been saved for. And when we realize we have committed crimes against God and what we deserve is hell, and then we hear that it pleased the Father for his Son to come to earth and make peace between sinful man and a just and holy God, that's Jesus God the Son put on flesh and came and lived a perfect life for us and died on the cross. Do you hear that? Through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. As we see Jesus suffering on the cross and shedding his blood, our sin must be worse than we ever imagined. But God's love must be more amazing than we ever imagined too, that Jesus would take our place that he would die for our sins, and then, and then on the third day he would rise from the dead and offer us reconciliation with God, that we could be right with God. He offers to us eternal life, forgiveness of our sins, and the chance to do life and eternity, no longer alienated from God, but reconciled. And what does he require of us? <clears throat> In John chapter 1, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. We have a choice. We can be a child of wrath or a child of God. Which do you want? Wouldn't you rather be a child of God than a child of wrath? It will be one or the other. And how can children of wrath become children of God? It says we believe in his name. His name is Jesus, which means Savior. And believing in Jesus really is as simple as ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. If you've never believed in Jesus, won't you? Oh, there was a day in my life that I admitted to Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. If you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or I'll give you a chance as we close in prayer. But admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you. And then we believe. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You shed your blood. You died and rose for me, won't you? And then we commit. That means we receive Jesus as Savior. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me. And, uh, and give me eternal life. And we receive him as Lord, saying, I want you to be Lord and help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you do that? And if you have, do you hear what it says here? That G but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So, so we believe in Jesus, and Jesus begins to put us back together again because Jesus holds all things together. And Jesus is at work in our life now, and you know one day he's going to put us back together again totally. In Philippians 1, verse 6, I, I love this verse. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus holds all things together. He calls us to himself. 
He begins to put us back together again. And one day his work will be complete and we will be made like him. So we're beginning to unpack that Jesus holds all things together. He holds the universe together. He holds his church together. He holds us together. So now let's turn from the all things and let's focus in on Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus and say, well, what can we learn about Jesus in this verse? What can we learn about the one who holds all things together? And the first thing I think we learn is about his power, that he has infinite power, doesn't he? How powerful is Jesus? For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, authorities. All things have been created th through him and for him. So powerful that he can speak and everything comes into being. How powerful is Jesus? He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Did you know that everything Jesus asks us to do is impossible for us to do? Did you know that? And that's why we need his power. We have to run to him to get the power to do what he asks us to do. Like Jesus calls us to love our enemies. How good are you at that? Is that really easy for you? I mean, can we talk? I struggle to love the people I love. Don't you? And Jesus calls me to love my enemies. I have to run. Jesus, you need to give me what I need to do what you say because I can't, right? Or, or Jesus calls us to forgive people. Does that come easy for you? Does it? It doesn't come easy for me, so, so I have to run to Jesus, the one who has all power to get what he asks me to do. He calls us to share our faith. He calls us to be disciple makers. We can't do that on our own. So we run to him to get the power we need to do what he asks us to do. And I want you to know, nothing is impossible for him. Have you ever noticed how often in the scriptures, when it wants to show us God's power, it speaks about creation? Let me show you in Jeremiah 32. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. I don't know what you're facing that seems so overwhelming, but when you go outside and you see the beauty of what God made, you say, God, you made everything. You just spoke it into being. Nothing is too difficult for, for you, right? Huh. Or, or how about in Revelation? A lot of people don't like Revelation. I think it's the worship manual of the Bible. If you want to learn how to worship, read Revelation. And in, and in Revelation 4, we read, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. Because of your will, they existed and were created. Our God is so amazing and so powerful that he spoke, and everything that is came into being out of nothing. And not only did he bring it into being, but he holds it all together. And he's the one we run to. He's the one we run to to get what we need to do what he calls us to do. Oh, in Colossians 1, 17, we learn about his power, but we also learn about his wisdom, don't we? He holds all things together. <laughs> he's, he's all wise. Do you ever just marvel at that? Um, one of the best things that ever happened for my marriage was direct deposit. <laughs> really, the simplest task I'm given, I can fail with amazing regularity. I would get a paycheck, but I couldn't get it home. Where's the paycheck? I guess I lost it at the office. And then I'd get it, and I'd be driving down 207. The windows are open, and it flies out the window. I'm chasing my paycheck down 207. 
And Karen says, can't you just get a paycheck home? And you know what? I can't. The simplest task I find incredibly challenging. But Jesus holds the universe together. And the one who holds the universe together says to me, follow me. Now that seems like a pretty good idea, doesn't it? That if I can't manage getting a paycheck from the office home, it might be a good idea to follow the one who keeps the planets and stars from banging into each other, right? Oh, let me show you how amazing is the one who says, follow me. In Colossians 2, verse 3, listen, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is creator and savior. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are, are in Jesus. And the one who is all wise says to us, follow me, follow me. Why wouldn't we want to follow him? And to help us in this, and to help us in this, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit. You do know why he's called the Holy Spirit. He's not holier than the Father and the Son. He's given to us so that we could be holy. So in Galatians chapter 5, we read, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. See the word flesh? The word flesh is our sinful nature. It's, it's the nature we were born with. It's like, it's like our hearts are computers. And the flesh is like, um, it's like the operating system installed on our hearts when we were born. How do you spot the flesh? The flesh says, I am wiser than Jesus. That I know the path to happiness better than Jesus. I, I know, I know, I know. You say, honor your father and mother. That's a good idea. But I've got a better idea. I know, I know, I know you said, you said uh, to tell the truth. That's a good idea, but I have a better idea. Anytime we think we have a better idea than Jesus does, that's the flesh. And so when we come to faith in Christ, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit loves to exalt Jesus. He loves to say, Jesus is wiser than you are. He holds the universe together. It would be a good idea to follow him. He's always saying, smile, you can't get your paycheck home. What makes you think you can run your life better than he can? Follow Jesus, treasure Jesus, right? Um, the one who invites us to follow him is the one who holds the universe together. He, he, he's the one who holds the church together. He holds our lives together. He's all powerful. He's all wise. That's why we want to follow him. So... <clears throat> That's what we've learned so far. Jesus holds all things together, the universe and the church and our lives, that he's powerful and wise. And so we're going to turn a, take a turn now and get to our action step for this week, uh, which is to abide in Jesus, to abide in Jesus. And listen, this comes right out of the Bible. In John 15, 5, notice what Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what does that mean, apart from him, we can do nothing? Well, it's literally true. If Jesus didn't keep us here on earth, we'd just go floating away. If Jesus didn't give us breath, we couldn't breathe. So it's literally true that we can't do anything apart from Jesus. And it's certainly true that we're not going to bear fruit without abiding in him. 
What does it mean to abide? Well, first we plug into Jesus and then we stay there. The best definition I've ever heard of abide is to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. Our part in the Christian life is to be with a friend who loves us and, oh, Jesus loves us and stay there. So, so think about that. I've been a Christian for a long, long, long time. And if someone said, Smelly, uh, are, are you a good Christian? <laughs> I'd say no. But I've stayed. I've stayed. If you said, Smiley, have you been a good husband? I'd say, nope, I've not been a good husband. But you know what? I've stayed. If someone said, Smiley, were you a good dad? I would say, no, I wasn't, but I stayed. My kids got to grow up with a mom and dad. I stayed. If someone said, Smiley, have you been a good pastor? I would say, I've not, I've not, but I've stayed. I've stayed. And Jesus said that if we stay with him, we will bear much fruit. And so I want to share with you how I've stayed with Jesus for a long time. I've stayed with Jesus because I love Jesus. And I love Jesus because he first loved me. And that's why I've stayed. When you've experienced his love, how can you leave? I love Jesus because he said in John 14, listen to this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You know why I stay with Jesus? Because I know I'm going to die. I'm a pastor. I do lots and lots of funerals. And I know I'm going to die. And I know my only hope for heaven is Jesus. Religion says, religion says you have to be good to go to heaven. And if you had to be good to go to heaven, I don't stand a chance. But Jesus said, if we believe in him, we could live forever. He's my only hope. Where am I going to go? The two things that are so true about me is I'm a great sinner and I have a great Savior. I'm not going. He's my only hope. How about you? What's your plan? Not only is he the way, he's the truth. Listen, the reason I've stayed is Jesus is the truth. We live in a morally confused culture, don't we? A more, and things are changing, but every morning I get to spend time with the one who is the truth. And I love having truth, don't you? Oh, not only is he the way, and not only he's, is he the truth, he's the life. Jesus isn't a part of my life. Jesus is my life. How do you leave the one who is your life? Listen, I've stayed because I love Jesus, don't you? He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. I've stayed because I love his people. I love one another. I love the church. That's why I've stayed. Oh, verse 18 of our passage. He's also head of the body, the church. Now, I know, I know you see the flaws in the church, and I want you to know for every, for every flaw you see in our church, I see 50, but I love the church. The reason I love the church is the church is the body of Christ. Uh, I mean, would you ever tell um, uh, your, your wife, you know, I love you, it's just your body I can't stand? Would you do that? <laughs> you wouldn't do it twice, would you? But how many people say that about Jesus? Oh, I love you, the head. I just can't stand your, your body. Let me explain the church to you. Now, most couples are kind of evenly matched, aren't they? 
But sometimes you see a couple, right? And one of them's a real looker, and the other is maybe a not looker. (laughs) You've seen it. And you say what? How did they ever get together? That's the church. The head is beautiful, and the body is flawed. And the world looks at the church and says, what do you see in her? And he says, she's my bride. She's my body. I love the church. I love the church, and I'll tell you why, because it's helped keep me close to Jesus. I wish I could have taken you with me with the conversations I had this week of person after person who was connected to the church. They got hurt. They got disconnected. First, they were disconnected from the body, but before long, they were disconnected from the head, too. And when people are disconnected from the church and Jesus, how do you think it goes in their life? It, what, it, it all comes undone because Jesus holds all things together. Let me show you why it's so important that we love his church with all of her flaws. In Hebrews chapter 10, um, let us... Again, notice this is a we thing. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of us, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Are you married? Do you want to stay married? then stay involved in the church. Listen, it's hard to do life together, but it's impossible to do alone. There are so many things working against your marriage. So many. We need Jesus and each other to follow him in our culture. Are you a Christian single person? Listen, you need to stay connected. We need Jesus and each other to follow him as a single person. Do you want to hold on to the truth in a culture that's abandoned the truth? Do you? Listen, we need Jesus, but we need each other. Didn't you see that? Let us hold fast. Let's help each other hang on to the truth in a culture that's abandoned it. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. You want to win people to Christ? You want to make disciples? Don't, Don't try and do it on your own. Listen to what it says. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Do you get discouraged? Do you need to be encouraged? That's why we gather. That's why we gather and worship in small group. (laughs) Don't try and do the Christian life alone. It's hard together, but impossible alone. Last week, I uh, had a difficult week, and uh, and one of our elders called me up just to encourage me. Do you know what the word encourage means? To give people courage. Courage. You have no idea how many Christian brothers and sisters around you are so discouraged. And you play such an important part of the Christian life by giving them courage. Thank you for what you do. Listen, we need each other to give courage and to receive courage, right? Uh, Listen, I've stayed in the game because I love Jesus. I've stayed with Jesus because I love one another. I've stayed with Jesus because I love lost people. I love lost people. I see people all around me and their lives are falling apart because they don't know the one who holds all things together. Listen, I am the most flawed person I know, but I realize that when I stay close to Jesus, he keeps me together, and I want to offer that hope to others, don't you? 
There is nothing I enjoy more than like this week, meeting with a couple and sharing with them the bad news and then good news, and inviting them to come to the one who puts, who holds all things together. Do you, do you want Jesus to be real to you? Do, you? do you want to stay with Jesus? The more you give him away, the more real he will be to you. And there has never, ever been a better time to be a Christian. There's never been a better time for gospel conversations because I believe all of us this week will be having conversations with people and they're saying, what's happening in our country? Everything's falling apart. And you can say, you know what? That's what we learned about in church on Sunday. Carry your Bible with you. And when someone says that, just say, hey, I've got a verse. I want you to come and read this verse with me. Invite them. Invite them to verse 17 that we read today. Invite them to read, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And just ask them, do you know who this verse is talking about? Jesus. And what do we learn about this verse? That he holds all things together. So if we look around our culture and everything seems like it's falling apart, what do we know? What? that we have forgotten Jesus. That's the bad news, we've forgotten him. But the good news, if people will plug into him and if people will follow him, he'll put them back together again. I can't tell you how many times in the last two years that I've had this conversation. Smiley, why, why is everything falling apart so quickly? And I said, because we're a cut flower civilization. What? We're a cut flower civilization. You know what a cut flower is, right? You cut the stem, but the petals stay on the flower, don't they? They stay on for a time, and then after a while, what happens? They all fall really fast. What we see happening around us is the result of things that happened long ago, and now we're seeing the petals fall off. And they say, well, what happened? Now, a lot of people like to go back in the early 60s when prayer and Bible reading were removed from school, and that was an impact, but we need to go farther back. If you want to understand what's happening around us, it started when creation was pushed out of the classroom and replaced with evolution, that everything can be explained without God. And many Christians don't think it matters whether you believe in creation or not, but it does, because the first step was to get rid of the Creator, <laughs> The second step was to get rid of the Savior because if there is no creator, there is no need for a Savior. And then people say, well, well, what do we do? And I said, listen, the bad news is we pushed him out. The good news is we can invite him back in. When people acknowledge Jesus as their creator and their Savior, Jesus puts people back together again. And when Jesus puts people back together, he begins to put families back together again. And when he begins to put families back together again, he begins to put churches back together again. And when churches begin to get put back together again, he puts communities and nations back together again. So the question is, are we going to spend the rest of our life complaining about everything falling apart? Our are we going to abide in Jesus? I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. Oh, our assignment this week is to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. Jesus loves you. Be with him. Love Jesus. Stay with him. He's the way. 
He's the truth. He's the life. Where are you going to go? Love one another. Listen, we need each other and Jesus to make it. Love the lost. Invite others. Come and see. You think football is amazing? Come and see. Come and see the one who holds all things together. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we are so glad that you hold all things together, that you can take sinners and, and put them back together again, and families and, and churches and nations. Nothing is too difficult for you. How about you? Have you ever asked Jesus to change you? Have you ever been reconciled to God? Won't you? I mean, Jesus is here. Won't you admit to him, Jesus? I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And won't you believe? I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit? Jesus, come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. We, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for those of us who have received you that this week we would abide in you, that we would be with you, our friend, and stay there. Jesus, help us. Help us to love you. Help us to treasure you as the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, help us to love one another. We need you and we need each other to make it. Help us to love one another. Jesus, help us to love the lost. Help us to look around us and see people whose lives are falling apart because they don't know you. Help us to invite others to come and see, to come and see the one who holds all things together. And we pray in Jesus' name.